Hi, this is Perry Marshall, author of many business books as well as Evolution 2.0. And on this episode, we are talking about creation, evolution, artificial intelligence, gene editing, morality, and where did it all come from and where's it all going? And it's not the conversation that you think we're going to have. This is a completely new conversation. You know, here you are, you're married, you've got kids, your wife is uh, a good Christian girl, you're a good Christian boy, you, your brother interferes with that, <laughs> plants a seed in your brain and you go away and you make the decision, the commitment to dig in, to go into the swamp and find the truth. Yeah. Brought up something there that I think that is easy to skip over. And I think it's one of the things where I said, uh, the problem, uh, then it gets much better, then it gets much worse. And then people bail and go back to the problem. They don't go back to a solution, they go back to the problem. Or they go back to living with the problem. And here's what's really fascinating about what you said. You said you went home and your wife knew she couldn't do anything about it. And so often, my experiences, even with the clients that I work with, and I work with some pretty amazing human beings, they will bail on themselves because somebody they love says, uh-uh-uh, don't mess with my reality. Mm. I, I don't, if you do this, I got to relook at how we educate the kids. I got to relook at how to deal with my mother-in-law. I got to relook how to deal with my family. And I'm a member of the church, and I've got to, now I've got to stop the volunteering. And, and this is going to crash my world, and it's not happening, Perry. So get a sandwich and shut up. And it's so often. <laughs> yes, trade truth for luxury. Get a exactly. sandwich. Right. right. Truth for language, uh, for, for trade your luxury. But, you know, I'm not going to do that. So this is one of the things that I say to people all the time. When you work with me inside of your company, you are going to lose some of your best people. I guarantee that. And they go, well, I don't want to lose my best people. No, but they're actually not good for you. They're actually going to stop you evolving. They are the luxury, but they bring in 20% of the income. Yeah, but they're going to stop you making 5,000% over time. But people go, well, you know, my marriage is good. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm sorry. No, it's not. A marriage that is good is mutually supportive. It's not good because the person pacifies you or you pacify them. My wife, my wife, my wife drives me crazy. She, she catalyzes me to deeper curiosity. I do the same with her. That's why it works. It's because I, I, people say to me, how come you're still so in love after all these years? because I'm still deeply curious about this woman that I married. And that's why this show's curiosity is about curiosity. So I, that's why I wanted to decide by that because here's how I know you're in a good marriage is that your wife went, oh, I can't stop that. I'm not gonna get in the way of it, but I'm gonna have to live with the fallout and we'll see where that goes. That's a different decision because that's, you know, am I gonna go in the swamp too? But I wanted to have people grasp that as they listen to this. So if you're wrestling with this, oh my God, I've been told X and now I found out that X is bull. And I have this compulsion to find out what the truth is. You are going to face resistance from those you love. You're going to face resistance from those who quote unquote love you. And I put it in quotes because of the subjective understanding of that. You are going to have to face that. And in facing that, that is where you will be faced with the, with the piece we, that you mentioned, which is, will you trade luxury for the truth? And 99.9999% of people will not. That's why my clients are, my one-on-one -on -one clients are 
spectacular. I love him. I always say, you know, I'm not going to work with you unless I can fall in love with you. That's why. Because I'm going to fall in love with that part. That's why I wanted to sidebar. Sorry. Well, I think that's wonderful. And, and you're exactly right. And so, and so what I felt I was looking for was I'm looking for the weapons that no anvil can destroy, right? Like if you get to the truth, that's the real, real, real truth, like then nothing else that comes along is going to destroy it, right? And so, and so that's, that's what I was hunting for. And so I, I, I had an intuitive sense of what I was looking for. I had no idea how this was going to turn out. And I, and, but off I go in the pursuit of the truth. So, so here's what happens. So I, I, I start buying all these books and reading all these journal articles and, and like books on the left and books on the right, books in the middle and deep books and shallow books and like every, every kind of thing. And, and like, where do I start? And I was just completely lost for a while. I had no, it's like, and, and it's bewildering. It's like, man, I, I thought electromagnetic fields and waves were complicated, but man, biology <laughs> exponentially worse, you know? And, and so one day I'm trying to understand, so what is a genetic mutation and how does DNA work and how does a genetic code work? And I'm reading this book and I was like, whoa, I've seen this before. I know what this is. I know how to deal with this. Hmm. Woo! It was like this huge, huge epiphany. In fact, in, a, in about one minute, I just had this like, it was like these two worlds just collided and I had all these suspicions. And here's what it was. In 2002, I wrote a book called Industrial ethernet which um it will help you go to sleep tonight if you have insomnia <laughs> it's crackers in the desert is it yeah it's only it's Try only like i don't know 75 bucks on amazon it's like this specialized technical book and like for 75 dollars i can cure insomnia everybody <laughs> you don't need to take magnesium you don't need sleeping bills you just need industrial ethernet <laughs> But, but but all joking aside, it was actually quite fascinating. I, I I worked in the industrial networking world for six years, and every day my phone is ringing and some guy in Cleveland, Ohio is talking to me about the system he built with these ones and zeros going back and forth between a robot and a controller and all this stuff. So I was up to my eyeballs in this business, and it, it made perfect sense for me to write this book back then. And I'm reading about genetics, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is exactly the same thing. Mm. In fact, when, when I gave my presentation at the Royal Society of Great Britain, when we announced this $10 million technology prize, one of the first slides I put on the screen, uh, and you can go watch it. It's, it's on, it's on the, the resources we'll give, give out uh, for the show. Um, uh, I have a diagram of Ethernet packets, and I have a diagram of of DNA transcription and translation, and they are almost exactly the same. It's wow. crazy, okay. And the meaning 
in that analogy was incredibly deep. And it gave me, it was like, well, that means this is probably true. This is probably true. This is probably true. This is probably true. In fact, it means that basically almost every chapter in this book has an equivalent in genetics. And that means that evolution is a software engineering problem. And I can now I can start to deal with this. And it was thrilling when you have that kind of epiphany. And, you know, I've only had a handful in my whole life, but it's like one of the most pleasurable experiences it's like this rush of, and you, there's no telling when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, uh, but it's usually not going to happen when you're sitting at home in your comfort zone trading truth for luxury. It's only when you're trading luxury for truth. Absolutely. Okay. And I was like, okay, I can start breaking this apart. And all of a sudden, this whole giant question suddenly had an orientation it was like okay i actually it's like i have a set of railroad tracks i can run on and i have a set of categories i can put things in and yeah i, I totally acknowledge that that information technology only brings a fraction of the tools that you need for this I'll, like it's not chemistry and it's not you know, neuroscience, I, I get it. Okay. But I could, I could start with something that was familiar and I could a, assign a set of rules and know that the rules were correct. They may, right. they may not describe the whole thing, but I know that within a certain set of parameters, this is going to tell me exactly what's going on. And that has, that instinct has never failed me. It is, it has always guided me in a useful direction. Well, so I looked at that and I go, oh, well, one of the first things that means is that if those falcons' eyes are getting better and better, it's not from random copying errors. <laughs> no way, Jose. There has to be something else going on here. Mm -hmm. Now, this particular part brought me to, um, okay, so there's, there's another piece I have to tell you about. This was huge, a huge, huge part of this. Brian quickly lost interest in sparring with me. Oh. Okay, he had, he's like, okay, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm an agnostic. And A, Brian said to himself, Brian is not interested in deconverting anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into that game. Okay. I really don't want to sit here and argue with Perry for the next year and like bruise up our relationship and punch each other in the mouth and whatever. I, I don't think, and I didn't really think that was a good idea either. Right. So we just sort of went to a live and let live, but I still had all these questions and I needed an anvil because what I liked about Brian was Brian would pound the bullshit out of me. We're brothers. He's very smart. He's truthful. Neither one of us will just like believe something because it feels good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Iron sharpens iron, but 
Brian needed to not be the iron. Besides, Brian has a history degree and a degree in theology. He's not an electrical engineer. He doesn't know how to debate that stuff. So here, I took it to the internet. Mm. Okay, and 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 what I did was I put together this site. It used to be called CosmicFingerprints.com. Now it's Evo2.org, but. Um, this is like 2005, 2006, and I was the king of Google AdWords, and I was yep. very, very good at it, and Google traffic was really cheap back then. It's not anymore, but it was then, and what I did was I put together an autoresponder series and some presentations about what I was discovering, and I drove traffic to a sign-up page, <laughs> okay? And, <laughs> yeah, and this, this is not the usual uh, internet marketing. <laughs> no, no, this was, I mean, I love this. I was trading luxury for the truth. Here's, this is what I did. Right. For about probably five years, I spent three to $5,000 a month on traffic from Google ads on terms like astronomy and big bang and, you know, creation and evolution, all these kind of controversial mm -hmm. issues. The clicks were basically three to five cents a click. Okay. So four or 5,000 bucks a month buys you a lot of clicks. Mm-hmm. I drove massive amounts of traffic from all over the world, all kinds of different countries to these pages. And then people would get dripped with an autoresponder and all of their replies would go back to me. I had an email box just dedicated to that project. Wow. That, that one, there was a couple of these projects, but that one email list got up to 175,000 people. Holy crap. And what I said was, if I'm full of shit, somebody is going to figure it out and they're going to nail me to the wall. Yep. Okay. And, and, and I will, I will debate any reasonable, um, mannerly person mm -hmm. who challenges what I'm saying. Okay. Right. Now I won't deal with trolls and no, no. you know all that. Okay. But if they're if they'll be polite and sure. if they'll exchange emails with me, I will go to the mat on this stuff and I will see like can Grendel's mother kill me? Mm -hmm. Or do or am I killing Grendel's mother? Right. And off we So, just making sure I or is our is our connection okay? It is now. You just okay. You back. Sorry, we'll have to edit that out. I bumped something. So, here's what happens next. I came to an early conclusion, and it was pretty simple. There's a million codes. 999,999 ,999 of them are designed by humans. 
HTML and barcodes and zip codes and Chinese and English and Morse code and all that. There's one code. We don't know where it came from. It's called DNA. Mm -hmm. And there aren't any codes that aren't designed. Mm -hmm. So it sort of kind of looks like DNA is designed. Well, so a guy at the biggest church in Chicago invited me to give a talk. And I gave a talk at Willow Creek, which is a very famous church. And my talk was called, If You Can Read This, I Can Prove God Exists, 2005. They said, DNA is a code. All the other codes are designed. Therefore, it sure looks like DNA is designed. Therefore, God exists. So I we recorded this talk, and I put this on my website in this sequence. And I'm like, well, is anybody going to punch a hole in this? Right. All right. So now I had a couple of these things going. I had another one in, uh, called Coffee House Theology. And this brought me into contact with every kind of religious view you can possibly imagine. Okay. The Jehovah's Witnesses and the Hindus and the Jews and the Mormons and the Urantia guys and the New Agers and the atheists, all of them. I got, okay, well. The atheists were a whole different breed. Everybody else was like, well, hey, man, you know, I'm just not sure I really agree with you on this. And the atheists were like, <laughs> they're, I mean, I'm telling you, sitting at the receiving end of an email box, it was like, I don't know what happened to these people, but they're like a whole different breed of chip on shoulder. Mm -hmm. people are mad okay and the new atheism was just really taking off richard dawkins sam harris daniel dennett christopher hitchens and this thing is growing like a weed and all these books are coming out like the god delusion and letters from a christian nation and christopher hitchens is having his rampages and everybody thinks he's great and I'm, I'm on the receiving end of this and like, man, these people are like off the charts and I can see them coming a mile away. All right. So here they come. All right. And I, I get into a back and forth with this atheist guy and I back him into a corner with my argument. He's got no counter argument and he gets flustered. And then I get this email from him. He goes, Perry, I posted a link to your talk on the world's largest atheist website in their discussion board. So here <laughs> you can go talk to those guys. And I go click on it and it says, hi, I've been conversing with Perry Marshall and he gave this talk. If you can read this, I can prove God exists. So be nice to him while you rip him to shreds. And I'm like, Oh no. Oh no. Oh, not this. Uh, this is <laughs> Grindel's mother may be self-replicating. Oh. <laughs> Maybe a self-replicating entity. <laughs> These are the meanest, nastiest people. Oh my word, what did I just get myself into? I have breakfast with my friend John, and John's like, Perry, I think God's got a sense of humor, man. Like, 
I think you kind of like, I think you need, you're doing this, buddy. There is no getting out of this. Oh, okay. Gird your loins. So here we go. Well, now I was scared. I was scared to death. It was like, well, A, I am now in the middle of the world's largest atheist discussion board uh, on the world's largest atheist website. There's like 50 of them and one of me. If I make any mistake whatsoever, they will slice me to ribbons. Um, this very quickly mushroomed and went viral, and pretty soon 2,000 different websites were talking about it. Um, uh, and like, all you had to do is type in Perry Marshall idiot on Google and all of this stuff would come up. <laughs> okay. The world's highest paid consultant actually well, uh, <laughs> Perry Marshall idiot. <laughs> what a economy. I mean, I wasn't quite the, the highest paid consultant at that point, but like I was... You know, I was the king of Google ads and all the internet marketers loved me and all the atheists hate, hated me. And like, and, and it was like, if all you had to do is type in slightly different terms and you'd find all of this negativity. And it was like, you know, if they find one thing where they are right and I am wrong, they will eviscerate me and my intestines will be spread over the pavement because they hated me. They hated me and it's like i gotta get this right and i knew there were pieces of my formulation of the problem that weren't quite tight yet mm -hmm. and i was just like i was beowulf wrestling with grendel's mother in the bottom of the swamp and my existing tools don't quite work and how are we going to do this well this went on for seven years wow and and I had to throttle myself like, okay, all right. So I just responded to all their questions. I'm shutting this thing down. I'm not looking at this again for two more weeks. I will come back on the 22nd of the month and I will go back and I will engage with this again, but I have to have a life and I can't burn myself out on this. This went on for seven years. They did not poke a single hole in what I was saying. Wow. Now, um, I'm going to compress the story a little bit, but but there was only one problem, and the problem was the argument would go round and round and round and round in circles because they wouldn't accept my definitions. Um, and, and I'm like, dude, I'm an electrical engineer. I wrote an Ethernet book. You can look up all this stuff. I've laid it all out in black and white, but it would keep going and going and going around. And one day, I had this little epiphany, Perry, you need to show them exactly how to prove you wrong. Exactly. And I thought, okay. So I wrote the specification and it said, you need to produce a code without designing one, without cheating. And if you can do that, you have proven me wrong and you only need to do it once. And if you can do it once, you win. So here's what you have to do. And then I said, you solve this, I'll write you a check for $10,000. And I had no idea what would happen, but I pressed submit. 
So, Dove, what do you suppose happened? Take a guess. Uh, well, it, obviously, that's the birth of the of your your challenge. Obviously, that's where it began. What kind of response do you think I got? Um, I think it probably went very quiet all of a sudden. That's exactly what happened. And I didn't know that would happen. No. I had no idea what would happen. It was like sticking your hand into a hornet's nest and, or, you know, or like, but, or, or I don't know, like, it's like being in some control panel, pushing a, an unlabeled button and not knowing what's going to happen. And the, they just went silent. Yeah. Total silence. Like because because again, people enjoy the the rhetoric of an argument rather than the solution, right? And yes, so, and I get that because human beings love stimulus, and I get that that's cool. But at right. the same time, if like this is the specific thing that you need to do to prove me wrong, but I'd rather just argue about the minutia. Yes, and that this was a major major insight that I picked up. What everybody's arguing about is almost never the issue. The because problem is never the problem. Yes. Yes. And so, like, I, I, came, I came to realize that creation versus evolution isn't even the question. It's not even the right question. It's... Mm -hmm. People endlessly, creation versus evolution, the way that it is framed, is an endless, infinite loop. Yes. And the people on the left can raise money against the people on the right, and the people on the right can raise money against the people on the left, and they can just consume and chew up energy endlessly and get nowhere and think they're doing something good. Mm. And tons of... Tons of political and social debates are like that. They just, they just thrive on people's willingness and energy to, to engage in conflict. Mm -hmm. But nobody is solving anything. And so now there's another piece of this that became really, really interesting about so. All these emails going back and forth and back and forth. I did not take a position about evolution itself. It seemed to me premature for me to do that. Right. I was like, well, I know a lot of Christians who believe in evolution. Um, if I read the Genesis story, I don't see any reason why evolution can't be a big part of that story or even intrinsically to the story. I don't know. But I just, this does not seem to me to be worth arguing about. I'm just going, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with what I know. I'm going to stick with this code thing and I'm going to see what happens. And I had thousands of conversations in that email box, thousands, okay? Sure. Literally, probably, I'm going to guess there were probably somewhere between 10 and 25,000 emails that went back and forth between me and somebody uh, or other, okay? 
And some of them were like 100 emails with one person who's really smart or really passionate. I, as far as I could tell, evolution appeared to have happened. But what I knew in an Ethernet book did not explain how that would work. Mm -hmm. It, but So I just held it as an open question. It was like, I'm writing these things on a chalkboard. And I'm only writing down things that I can be certain of. And there's all this ambiguous stuff. And it, evolution was one of these ambiguous things. It seemed as though evolution was true, even though it violated the idea in my Ethernet book. And then I discovered Barbara McClintock. It took two years for me to find out about this woman. Okay. So Barbara was a geneticist who worked on corn plants. And she, she fought the way a hacker thinks. <laughs> and she used radiation to hack the DNA of a corn plant. And she had this idea what would happen in, in something totally different than what she expected happened. Basically, here's an analogy to what she, so it would be like radiation damages DNA. And so it would be like she took a mystery novel, ripped a page out of it. And with, without, with those missing instructions, like the plant can't reproduce and it's going to die. And she thought it would kill the reproduction. What the plant did the plant went and said, hey, if I take this paragraph over here, if I take this sentence over here, if I take this and this and this and rearrange them, I can fill in my missing page and I can reproduce. And the plant filled in the missing page that had been ripped out of the mystery novel and went on to reproduce. And this is in 1944. She figured out what had happened with what by our standards would be very crude microscopes and by studying the patterns of the corn kernels. Right. And she, she figured out what genetic changes had happened in this plant. Now, what, here's what this really meant. She was the first human being to engineer an evolutionary event and figure out genetically what had happened. <laughs> <laughs>